0: Welcome to the Gamer's Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan.
1: Hello. I uh, I, I just want to inform. I'll, I'll be I'll be right back. I've got to go figure out where I need to go next in Tears of the Kingdom. I gotta do my Google searches. I gotta consult the <laughs> Discord. Um, I have to uh, to talk to a random obscure character in a random obscure <laughs> village. So I'm uh I've been very busy trying to uh, defeat Ganondorf, the Devil King or Demon King, whatever his name is. So there
0: you go. <laughs> have you been very busy trying to defeat him, or very busy trying to fact find?
1: <laughs> uh, you know, a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Um, once I once I got uh to the final boss, uh. Yeah, and I mean that's uh, we're obviously keeping it spoiler free until we say we're going to talk about spoilers, but no, I I think once I once I got to the final encounter, it was pretty much you know wrap it up. Yeah, <laughs> it smooth
0: sailing from there. <laughs> yeah, it was
1: just getting there that was uh that was a struggle and I mean that's why we delayed the show a little bit. We didn't delay because there's uh major announcements happening in in a couple hours, but we delayed because we wanted to try and finish Tears of the Kingdom and um you and I were talking uh, last week about, oh well, uh, Breath of the Wild. You did the four divine beasts, and then it was pretty much now it's time to go uh, deal with Calamity Ganon, and that was the case in that game. And I thought, you know, wow, this Tears of the Kingdom is really following that that similar pattern. And I remember having conversation with with friends who who hadn't even uh, finished, you know, a few of the temples had said like, "But are you sure? Like that seems a little." F- fast-paced uh that is that is correct that was the correct assumption there's a lot more to go after um those initial four what's going on in those areas uh quest so
0: yeah and so i think maybe this is a good time to flag uh spoilers and we'll just jump right into the tears of the kingdom conversation because i have not finished tears of the kingdom um kind of for that reason uh though Like, (laughs) much less so, like, it's not that I just jumped into the questing, um, after the Four Temples and then it took me a while. I had some pretty big, pretty significant roadblocks, like, i put a lot of hours in since the last show into Tears of the Kingdom, and I had finished the Four Temples before Ryan did, so, because I very much, like, played a playstyle of, like, get enough stamina to do everything that i need to do in terms of like cliff climbing or whatever and if i found a spot where like i couldn't quite make it with my food and my glider or my food and my climbing you know then i would go for a stamina upgrade but i think i only did two stamina upgrades and i found that that was enough and then i very much played almost like a dark souls don't get hit combat style and i made it through with like six hearts I was like, this is fine. This is plenty. Um, But then there's some pretty um, big checks in Tears of the Kingdom in terms of your stamina and your heart count. And if you can't pass them, it kicks you back to do your chores, which is where I kind of stumbled and ended up having to do 32 shrines in a row to get enough upgrades for. And I still don't know if I have enough because I haven't hit the heart check yet. I just know that a heart check exists because of Ryan. So um, basically I failed the stamina check and uh, that put up a big, huge wall for me. And then also I had these 32 shrines I had to do um, to get enough stamina and then to get some more hearts. And uh, I, I'm still not sure if I, if I have enough to pass the check. So I'm just like, man, oh man, like not looking forward to it. It's just like, I feel like I played chores of the kingdom for the last week instead of like a super fun video game.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is something we talked about um, as we were prepping for the show today in that the game very much focuses on similar to Breath of the Wild, this idea of total freedom to explore at your own pace. And I think that the game does not support uh, our typical play style, which is to be like, I got to get a good chunk of this done so that I can uh, talk about it on the show made even worse by the fact that like hey let's try to beat it for this specific date and then we'll talk about like the story in in um in a spoiler sort of fashion and i think like that really flies in the face of the way nintendo has designed these games to be like no like you can do that but you're going to you're going to hit some pretty um well frustrating roadblocks especially if you do not like any of the shrines which i think is mm-hmm. fair to you don't you don't like the shrines at all right
0: not really, no. I mean, like I, I do, like I say, I find them to be tedious. I find them to be chores. I don't find them to be particularly uh, challenging. In t- Like nine times out of 10, or probably 95 times out of 100, I walk in and then either based on the name of the shrine or the like puzzle pieces presented to me, I can pretty much solve it in about 30 seconds. Like, it's not difficult to know what I have to do, which then, because it's not a challenging puzzle, and I know that, like, if the shrines were super challenging, I would also probably critique them because then you've got, like... 50 to 60 that you have to do and if those are big time sinks and really challenging puzzles then you know like you can't get through it fast enough so i don't like i just generally don't like the the game design decision to use these shrines as like the uh kind of the thing that you have to go through as a player to get your player power right like you have to do four shrines to get one heart or one stamina upgrade And so like it just it becomes super, super tedious to me, especially since they are totally divorced from the main storyline or any side of sort of side questing. There's a couple of shrines that have like side quests associated with them, but like it's carry a crystal from one place to another or like you might have to do something for the guy who currently controls the crystal in order to get access to it you know like and even then like sometimes it's just barter for rupees and like you say yeah sure i'll just like I've got 5,000 rupees. You want 100? Sure, just take them. And then his wife comes over. Ah, you're ripping him off. You'll, you'll take 50 and you'll be happy. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't care. Lady, <laughs> just let me finish this dialogue box so I can get the crystal and get out of here. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was happy with 100.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is, I did do that. Uh, that <laughs> sort of, Uh, experience and I thought to myself like you know I just kind of need the stone and the difference between 150 (laughs) is like
0: like nothing to me right now
1: (laughs) I, I can just go walk over there and sell a couple of extra uh monster horn things and call it a day and there's there's a couple extra rupees but Yeah, (laughs) I think for me, I enjoy the shrines because they are like a break from whatever I was doing previously, because, you know, before I entered a specific shrine, I wasn't trying to navigate like uh, like a lava maze. You know, Um, I wasn't trying to uh, extend a bridge across lava using a very specific set of skills you know that are that are set up in that in that shrine so I I like the separation um, from what I'm doing Uh, it is a nice sort of break because like when you're outside of those shrines again because there's so much freedom sometimes you could accomplish uh, you know getting from point A to point B by running point A to point B getting a horse and traveling on trails you can go up into it you can unlock all the towers then go to the closest tower, shoot up and then glide to where you need to go. And that was the specific reason that I upgraded stamina all the way through until I had all of it was because I was constantly going to a tower, flying up and then gliding to where I needed to go and, and taking, you know, breaks, uh, in sky. I do
0: think it's, it's basically the best way to get around for sure. Yeah. Gliding.
1: And it, um, it contrib- So you and I were talking last night because I had said like, yeah, I think you got, this was like 10 o'clock. I think you got a lot more to go.
0: Well, yeah, because, oh my God, guys. Okay. So I, I texted Ryan last night and I was so frustrated with one of the like roadblocks that I hit that I literally said, okay, Gollum is a better game than yeah. Tears of the Kingdom. Things were said. I just
1: glossed over that. I didn't even, you know, I'm going to bed. I don't have time to talk you down from that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, she doesn't, doesn't mean
1: it, folks. Doesn't mean it.
0: I was in a very specific headspace last night, um, so yeah, we are. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about spoilers because I do want to talk about this like stamina check issue that I had because um, basically, uh, if you follow the main story and like you're you're trying to find Zelda, right? And so pretty early on. Impa gives you the quest where she's like, hey, these like geoglyph things, which are basically like crop circles, but with like neon paint instead of like cut into corn. Um, She says, you know, there's these crop circles that have popped up all over the place. Uh, Can you go investigate them? And each one, eventually you end up finding like a map that shows you where they are. uh, And each one has a tier that's uh, one of Zelda's like, I guess memories, Uh, which is kind of interesting because you get the sense that it's like, it's basically all the information about the past, right? So to her, like, because you know she's your contemporary and she was kicked back to the past at the same time that you got your fancy new arm, like it feels like these things are kind of happening at the same time, even though it was like thousands of years ago for her. Like it's, so anyways, they're they're her recollections, I guess, of the events of the imprisoning war. And then eventually, at the end of that, you get a new tier. And that one basically tells you what Zelda's fate was. And she has the Master Sword for you. And you need a metric shit ton of stamina. Well, I think uh, two rings of stamina, basically. (laughs) So five upgrades, uh, which is 20 shrines, for those of you counting, um, in order to, to 20 shrines that you've chosen not to turn into hearts. 20 shrines that you've used to go to your stamina specifically. Um, and then you have to basically, like, ride Dragon Zelda to grab the sword. <laughs> and so I did that with just my two upgrades because, like, they don't give you any hint. They're not like, you know, you're going to need some stamina to do this. They just say, there's the sword, go get it. And then I tried and failed. And so I that sent me on my quest <laughs> for more stamina and all of these different shrines. And then they also don't warn you if you don't do it the first time, she flies so high up into the sky that it's basically impossible to get there. So I did uh, probably three hours or so of troubleshooting in game, trying to figure out if I was like, jumping from the- or like shooting myself up the wrong tower. I tried going to like the top of like the tallest temples that I'd been to, so like the water and the wind temples, and jumping off of those, and trying to get close enough to her that I could attempt it again. And like, I sent Ryan a screenshot, and I was almost out of my stamina, and she was like that high again from me jumping off the water temple. As like, it just, I was just like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to get up there. So then I went and did a whole bunch of Zonite mining to get more batteries. And then I had batteries and I was building flying machines and they were dying before I was anywhere near close. And I'm like, I don't understand. So Ryan had to Google it for me and you get one shot. That's it to get your sword. I was like, what?
1: One initial shot.
0: (laughs) One initial shot. Yeah. So then she, she flies off and is like, you're unworthy. And then you have to go through a whole other quest line. Which still at this point in time has not been presented to me. Um, to You have to go through a whole quest line in order to uh, get her to come back down again. And I'm just like, man, oh man.
1: Yeah, that um...
0: sucks. <laughs> like, that's so, so much. Like, I thought my game was broken. I thought my game was glitched because yeah. it didn't make any sense. And nobody told me anything in game, not even like a Zelda voice in my head saying, Link, you are unworthy. You need to be stronger before you attempt things again. Go talk to your old friend, the Deku Tree, or whatever. Like, just nothing, nothing. It just, like, assumes that you know you got one shot somehow. (laughs) I'm just, I'm so mad. I'm so mad last night.
1: Yeah, well, I think, like, the Light Dragon or or Zelda is flying, um, She's always flying high. So I think you can see her throughout the game as you're playing. And she's always flying high. And. There is that specific. So when I did it, uh, that specific moment, I got all the tears because you can you can go and find all the tears right away. And and yeah,
0: it's exactly like the memories from the last game. So you can make that your priority. Absolutely. Especially after the point in the game when you find the map and you know where they all should be, because that was that was something I did. uh, You mentioned in order to kind of glide and get some easier travel around the map. I also went and got all the sky towers pretty early on. Um, and then, so as a result, like the first time I would pop up in the tower, I'd have a quick look around and be like, oh, there's like a geoglyph I'm going to land on it. So, you know, like I kind of went around and did that unlocking pretty quickly, but I didn't specifically seek out the tears. Like I did the memories in the first game, but it's the same sort of mechanic.
1: Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. And when I did it, I, I got all the tears and I had enough stamina to, to get the sword and kind of complete that portion of it. Um, I got the sense and and I I'm, I'm going to say this like I finished the main campaign. I'm not going to talk about the stuff that Jocelyn hasn't experienced yet, which is um well I think it's pretty self-explanatory from <laughs> she has she's trying to get the sword. Um like there was also like this knowledge of the previous game that kind of was like uh it was forcing me to think uh, that oh, well this is this is it when I go do this thing. Ah, uh, this is the final boss. There's a lot of these moments where the game kind of foreshadows, like you're going, you're going to to fight Zelda. It's like, well, are you going to fi- rescue Zelda? It's like, well, we kind of know that's not Zelda. Like Zelda's running around. We know it's not Zelda. Oh my
0: we- god, that was like, <laughs> that was one of the things I found so frustrating about the castle when you finally go there. Is I was just like, I know (laughs) that's not Zelda. Why do I keep having to run face first into what I know is a ghost that's going to turn into a monster? Like, why? Why? Link, just have two brain cells to rub together, please.
1: (laughs) It's not even, it's not even, like, it's everyone, right? But Link especially. Well, yeah,
0: it's everyone. But Link knows all the things, right? Like, Link knows all the things the player knows. So come on, pay attention. The
1: tears, (laughs) um... And this is the thing, like I, uh, because the game has this like large scale of freedom, there is some hand waving from a design standpoint where they, uh, there are games that contribute for every little thing, you know, like, oh, if this play, if the players progress to this extent and they know this, then this dialogue plays during that thing. Nintendo does not do that with this game. There's stuff that, uh, Link learns in the tiers specifically that someone in the past, Uh, pretended to be Zelda, it turned out to be uh, Ganondorf or a puppet of Ganondorf. Like Link knows that from witnessing the history. And you could find that out at the very beginning of the game. It does not change the fact that you have um, allies charging headfirst into an active volcano because they think Zelda's down there. And it's like, they don't have that nuance in the design that um, I think other games... uh, would have um it's sort of a modern i think horizon did it had a very good system with that where if you experienced something that sort of affected um another quest it would it would be reflected in the dialogue it would be reflected in the actions of the characters there was never this like well we intended you to do this first or or whatever so we're just going to pretend like you um you don't care what's going on and and you're not going to you're not going to reflect on a thing that happened. And there are a couple moments in tears of the kingdom where that will happen. uh, Where if you've, if you've done some stuff out of order, like was able to uh, get the sword from Zelda before going through what feels like probably was the, the order of operations from a design standpoint. Like I think getting the sword is the last thing you do before fighting the final boss. But what, but you don't know when the final boss is happening so if you think the final boss is at is in hyrule castle because the game is kind yeah. of like projecting that and then you try to get the sword well the game's not gonna let you get the, there's a lot of like telegraphing well, that just doesn't happen you know
0: exactly like they they kind of telegraph or at least give you the idea because again you know that that's not actually zelda so you assume that's the big boss man like it was in the past And so she's up on the castle. So you're like, okay, well, if she's up on the castle, that means that's where the final boss battle is going to be. And I even went up to the castle and into like the main room. And I'm like, this clearly is a boss arena, Uh, 100%. So I was like, okay, this is where the final boss is. I better go get the sword. And then like, there's also another quest line down in the depths where one of the characters literally says to you, I'm going to go to where my boss is now. And then there's a blinking yellow dot on the map. And you're like, okay, so I guess that's the final, like, encounter. Like, it also makes sense that Ganon would be down in the depths. That's where we found him in the first place. It's not a spoiler. It's literally the cinematic that they showed, like, way back when. So, like, that's where we found him. Makes sense that maybe he's still down here because you don't see that much gloom stuff on the other than the castle like on the surface level so okay he's still down in the depths that's cool now i know where he is in the depths better go get the sword (laughs) like neither one of those instances turn out to actually be the final boss battle and i'm just like damn it like why is no one sending me to the right place and telling me to get the sword like be- it because should you don't be, need it yet,
1: right? You don't like,
0: yeah, you don't need it yet, but stop making me feel like I need it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and and there's um there's this weird disconnect between um like is the world ending? You know, Ganondorf's back, the the, the Demon King's back, but like how how bad is it? And I think uh, like Breath of the Wild, it's It'll be bad when it happens, but it's not going to happen until you uh, and and it's not going to happen for a bit. Like it's not really explained really well. (laughs) There's no urgency. (laughs) No, there's no urgency. But but when you do like initiate the, the final encounter, that's when it's like, okay, you as Link or the character have initiated, you know, end times, you know. Right. So, like, if you
0: just never went there, if you just went and helped, like, some guy find all his chickens and, like, played a flute for a fairy, then would the world just never have ended? Would Ganon have been, like, sitting down in the depths, just, like, tapping his watch? (laughs) Like, what's going on? Like, is this actually all Link's fault?
1: (laughs) In game. Uh, exactly. That's exactly what happened. But we all know, like, yes, eventually Gandalf will be like, well, I don't think he's coming. So we might as well just start this party without him. Right. Right. Um, that is essentially, I think what's happened. There's a, there's a specific line of dialogue from a character. Y- you can talk to everybody in this game. That's not a, something you should do though. But when you do, there's this one character who's like, I think it's one of the traveling, um, salesmen. And, and they say, I hear the demon Kings back. I don't know what that means, but it sounds bad. And I have no idea what I should do. And I'm like, look, bud, whatever you're doing, just keep on doing it. Cause like, yeah. <laughs> it, like there's no, um, there's no sense of urgency.
0: It's after you do the castle. If you talk to somebody in one of the stables, who's reading a paper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then that's exactly. The, the line that you get. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and, um, like the, the, the characters around the world, it's similar in breath of the wild. where like, they know bad stuff is happening. They know bad stuff will eventually happen at some point in the near future. But like they have, there's nothing they can do to, to fix it. Like we're, we're on it as Link and in, in the, and in the sages we're, we're on it. Uh, but we are, yes, probably going to, uh, find these lost chickens and collect some Korok seeds along the way. And, and that's fine. Cause there's this, like the sense of freedom, like the design of this, this freedom to explore at, at, at your own pace, it, it, um, they've complimented it with this story that's like, Yeah, you know, bad stuff's going to happen, but not anytime soon.
0: Yeah, I was going to say at your own pace, as long as your own pace is slow. Because I think that's like what I I think I am not going to speak for Ryan. But that's definitely what I've experienced is like I found some time, some points in time, particularly like earlier on, like not so much in this past week, but earlier on where I didn't necessarily have anything in a particular play session that I had to do or that I wanted to do. Like, I just wanted to sit down and play some Zelda and see where that took me. And that, I think, were my most interesting and fun play sessions. But then, like, as soon as I started to try to pay attention and, like, hold on to a story thread, that's when the game started to get really unfun. And there started to be roadblocks or, like, things that were... Just in the way, like things weren't easy to get to, or you know, like all of a sudden there were 18 steps when it should be easy. And you know, like I I think that as soon as you started to set yourself a goal, that's when Tears of the Kingdom gets to be less fun. And so, like, if I had the next six months to only play Tears of the Kingdom, I think my opinion of the game would be different, but that would also make me a totally different person really because like it's not just um like gaming pressures on my game time it's like real life pressures too i got a lot going on right now i don't have 6 months to spend on one game and i think that if you're a player who will explore every single crevice of the world we'll build like entire cities out of the materials available to you from i can't even remember the dude's name now because like i started off setting up all his signs for him and now i just see him (laughs) on the side of the road and go oh your life sucks bye yeah (laughs) no i I did a few of those but no not
1: anymore
0: (laughs) all of those um like uh, the building materials and whatever like uh, you could be a builder you can make weapons of war you can crucify koroks you could like if you're the kind of player that is going to spend that kind of time in tears of the kingdom you're gonna have a great time but it's probably the only game you're playing and i just have too many other things like i've already given tears of the kingdom a month of game time and i'm not done yet (laughs) and as soon as i start to try to finish that's when I'm finding all these roadblocks and these chores and, and all of this tediousness that's taking the fun out of it. So I think that like they've all, it almost feels like they've smooshed two things together, like a super fun exploratory sandbox with like a story based, like RPG type thing. Right. And they've smooshed them together and they don't necessarily work. And Like, the sandbox is great, but if all you want to do is play through the story, that's where I think things are – that's where the disconnect is for me anyways. Is like, as soon as I try to set a goal and try to finish something, that's when I start to really dislike Tears of the Kingdom.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, mean, that's valid. Like, I think there are – so the sign example, like, that's not a required – part of the game to to finish it but the shrines are the shrines are there's some specific quests and you know outside of just you can google stuff and and then and and skip like some some exploration to figure out with you know investigating like um that's fine i I mean uh, but for me when i was playing like i was enjoying the shrines it was going at my own pace and but but similar to you like When we set a deadline to finish it, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have to play this game, um, in a way that, uh, that is not designed to be enjoyed that way. Like if you mainline it, you are going to hit roadblocks that, um, that will be be less fun because you're, you're kind of battling uphill, so to speak. So I, I encountered that while I was trying to finish the game. I think specifically in the fact that I didn't do a lot of, um, depths exploration uh i didn't think like i think there's a reason they didn't include that in the marketing because i don't think it was (laughs) uh, the most exciting edition but
0: it's one of the least fun so so matt did some googling yesterday the day before uh just as he was watching me play because i was doing some exploration down in the depths and he found like some article that was like 10 interesting facts about the depths and he was like oh so the map is actually exactly the same as the up like the the um, I keep wanting to say like upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> but, upstairs, like the surface level, except it's just reversed. So, like stuff that's like a a canyon it, upstairs is a, is like a, a valley downstairs. So that means that all of the exact same traversal stuff is going on, uh, but it's completely in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're taking like 10 steps. Throwing a seed, 10 more steps, throwing another seed and then looking at a cliff going, oh, my God, what a waste of arrows to like ping all these seeds up these cliffs. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, so, yeah. I mean, like it's just as big with just as much terrain variation, but it's totally in the dark. So I think that was, uh yeah, uh, not a very fun experience.
1: Yeah. And I, I think for me in the depths, like I think once there was really only one quest chain that re- required it where you're trying to um You're trying to find like the uh, there's like a a faction of bad guys from the first game that kind of goes literally goes underground uh, and they want to kill Link because Link's their mortal enemy or whatever. And there is that like I say chain of quests, but they're marked as side quests. And this is the other thing is like the game should really have upgraded a couple of side quests to the main quest category, because in my mind side quests are optional main quests allow you to progress the story. And that specific side quest gives you the bit of information that you need to encounter the final boss. Uh, Oh, I say need, but like, without having to sort of guess, you can make a very educated guess as to where the final boss is.
0: Right? Especially but, when you kind of realize that he hasn't popped up anywhere else.
1: No. <laughs> like, and, yeah.
0: are you exactly where I left you? Oh, Ganon. <laughs> Which,
1: it, it like, similar to the first game, if you wanted to, you could go right to the final boss, walk right towards it. You're going to have, you're going to struggle. You're only going to have a stick, you know, and no pants. But you can do it. You can run right up to the final boss in the first game. And you, and I... I'm assuming you can do it in Tears of the Kingdom. I wouldn't advise it uh, to do that. That final encounter with with nothing would be uh, apparently uh, the
0: current speed run record is like an hour for Tears of the Kingdom. (laughs) So it's it's
1: essentially walking from point A to point B and then trying to defeat the boss with like a a four uh, attack stick. Right. Like I (laughs) again, that's a great way to hate this game. I don't <laughs> advise anybody to do that play play. I think you should, you know, engage with the, with, with the way that Nintendo's sort of like laid out the quests, but it's possible to do that. And it goes back to this, like fr- the, the, the design is put together in a way to uh, allow total player freedom to, to do what they would like to, to beat the game. Um, But yeah, like I, there's, uh, I definitely have issues with the way they've kind of like, guided folks another issue i have which we was kind of prompting the initial let's do spoilers next week because we had both got all the tears um was just Link's lack of uh emotion when something incredibly sad happens like when you discover that zelda's basically sacrificed herself and we're still in the spoilers segment so this is this is yeah fine. this is
0: still fine this is fine yeah i expected that we would talk about this this week
1: <laughs> I, I want yeah and i think it's like uh, until we discuss or until we get to a point where we're able or want to discuss the ending. Um, but this point is like a major lore point when you figure out exactly what happened to Zelda in the past. And it's foreshadowed very heavily in some of the early tears you get in the in the early segments of the game is like, if you, if you eat a secret stone, um, then you turn into a dragon and you lose yourself. You lose your, your mind and body and soul. So essentially, the idea here is that Zelda's like, oh, I know I am here. I have to sacrifice myself and pour my light. You know, to restore the Master Sword would take thousands of years. It's like, well, how do I live for thousands of years? Oh, remember when you mentioned if I eat the stone?
0: Yeah, then I get to be an immortal dragon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I am i was fine with, uh, like, I was like, okay, like, that makes sense story-wise. She's stuck in the past. She's trying to figure out how to get back to the future. She still wants to save her kingdom. She knows She's going to have to I was fine with all of that. The biggest issue I had is when link discovers this, and whether it's your best friend, your partner your uh even your coworker, he just doesn't react yeah, yeah he, no, he doesn't, doesn't shed doesn't a tear at all. He yeah. just like stone not face. even
0: his yeah, not even his like linkiest link reaction of the like huh? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even do that
1: <laughs> he doesn't even hang his head, he doesn't uh yeah. sort of like. Bow. He just like he doesn't even nod. Like the
0: camera just yeah. The camera just pans back to him and he's just like full stoic face. It was a like,
1: missed opportunity <laughs> in my mind. A total missed opportunity for for Nintendo to um do something. Like they could have done anything. You know. I think he should have. I personally believe that uh no matter what. And I know there was like articles going out about like the relationship between Link and Zelda. This is a direct continuation of Breath of the Wild. They've obviously been working very closely and have formed a strong relationship. Um, and all that being said, like his reaction in that moment is like, does he know something we don't, even if he did, it didn't matter. It, it was just like, it It, it just, it felt um, like going back to their original conversations earlier in the show about how, you know, a- another game would have like kind of connected the pieces. And like, if you did this, then this happens. We changed the dialogue a bit. We mix things up because, You've done things in a specific order, Uh, you know, dynamic system Um, in a modern game, we would expect that. And I think also like in a game, even when you are the player character, like you're trying to put yourself in Link's shoes, um, I don't I think a majority of players would be like, I would have reacted in that moment, you know, like Mm -hmm. in some fashion, some
0: way, shape or form. Yeah, there would have been some sort of reaction. Yeah,
1: because I was reacting as a person playing the game.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean Zelda's not even your BFF. <laughs>
1: no, it, it is. The, I like Zelda. It is the Legend of Zelda. I think Zelda's a very important and critical character. And when you, well, in my mind, kill her off uh, in the yeah. game for a very, uh, in a very important and impactful moment. Like I think again, I have no problem with all of that for the story. I think it makes sense. Um, it's a it's a thing Zelda would do. I think yeah. she's grown as a character, but like i get i get i really got caught up with link's reaction and i and i don't think there was any other moment i guess it goes back to the point of what you were saying is like link doesn't like engage in a with his, his
0: friends in any meaningful way like with all yeah. the sage conversation and everything else like he doesn't ever fill anyone in yeah. at all like and, and that really struck me. Um there's a moment in the castle when all of your friends come to help you and they're like, Oh my god, what's going on? And then even then you go back to look at landing and you're trying to like explain stuff and I'm like, oh my god, Link can connect all of these dots for you people, and he's just standing there not saying anything. And we're just like they're all like, What's happening? What's going on? I'm like, Link knows <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh yeah, it's it's this huge disconnect like between Basically, Link and the world, and it's a really big missed opportunity because, like, these games, I think Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, probably have the most, like, story, the most, like, interconnectedness of any previous Zelda titles. And it feels kind of squandered at this point because of Link's lack of involvement in the world around him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I agree completely. I, I, I think there, that there are these big moments that happened in game that you as a player like, Oh man, this is really cool. This is really interesting would impact a lot stronger if, um, the character in game was, was also reacting. And I, and there was just look like there's not a lot of like story moments. So when you have like those two or three beats, um, that are super critical and, and the, and link does nothing with it. It just, it feels uh, yeah, feels like a missed opportunity and almost like, kind of just bad design um, in a way that uh, you lose that connection. You know, I I really felt like when that happened, I'm like, okay, so I'm not supposed to care about this. Like I'm supposed to be like, (laughs) feel, I feel stuff. I feel things about a major character, basically sacrificing herself and committing to, you know, immortality as this, you know, uh, mindless being, uh that is that has a sword a sword stuck in her forehead.
0: Um, yeah.
1: I should feel something and I don't you know. like,
0: when I saw that whole cinematic playing out, I was like, Oh my God, what if she just drops the sword?'
1: I mean she's had thousands of years to to do that. I mean it's just tangled up. No, no, in her no. Hair. I meant
0: like right well that's the thing. Like what if like as she was transforming, like <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god, like how are they how is she going to ensure that this sword stays with her? Like, oh my god.
1: Well I imagine <laughs> I I don't know, but I imagine, Can you don't imagine folks... if
0: she just turned into a dragon and the sword's laying on the ground and it's like whoops
1: <laughs> yeah i mean it's best not to think about it because i mean the sword is in her head someone yeah <laughs> how did it get in there like that's some video game-ness that i'm i'm willing to yeah. win away but there's like some very clear moments in this game where they they should have gone a bit further to um to to make link a like a character in the game you know um and he, he reacts to things in game. It's not that he doesn't react to. It's just well, these big story. He has more beans.
0: reaction of you uh, when you put a perfect recipe into the cooking pot. He has more <laughs> of a reaction then than he does to anything going on in the main he is story. <laughs>
1: super stoked about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know uh, how many how many steak uh, kebabs have I made? Many. <laughs> you know, and he's super excited every single, I'll make the same recipe 16 times in a row. And he is just as jazzed that 16th time
0: every time. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: so, I, I mean, and that's, and I, and again, that goes back to, from just to a design standpoint of like, well, that's, that's the animation that plays when he successfully cooks something. And and I'm fine with that. But I think like, there's just the little things that continue at, to add up having finished the game. It didn't ruin the whole experience. I still had. I still had a lot of fun. I'm gonna play a little bit more and and um, you know uh, explore some the side quests that sound interesting and and uh, you know go back to some towns and because I while we were trying to do the temples, like I'd finish a town and and I think when you finish a temple, it it opens up some additional side quests. It does, yeah. I kind of just Usually. walked away. So I need to go back and <laughs> and chat with those folks. Like, I think one was literally like, "Yeah, uh, hey, I gave my bow to my son. I kind of need another bow. I mean, I'd be a pretty bad leader if I didn't have a way to defend my people. So I came back, like, probably, like, six weeks later in game time. <laughs> you don't have a bow? You couldn't have just, you know, okay, well, then I'll go get the materials. We'll make a bow. You should have emailed or something. <laughs> Sent it to my pure pat like this could have been an email literally like <laughs> so uh but no I, i'm glad you guys survived without <laughs> without protection. the protection yeah so uh, you know uh i i want to i want to continue playing i'm having a lot of fun i i don't think anyone should 100% the game let alone 1% it by just going straight to the to the final boss but like i think there's uh i've had a lot of fun with it but like there are these moments of like okay nintendo like if you're going to continue down this path um there's some some there's
0: some improvements you could make
1: <laughs> yeah and i think you know tightening up that story experience like bring that um freedom of choice and exploration um bring those factors into the story and have a little bit more of a dynamic approach and if you don't want to voice every character that's you, you don't do that now that's totally fine um because i mean if you have dynamic choice you can kind of it's less, uh, I mean, it's more writing, but there's no VO. So I guess it would be less expensive uh, and demanding in terms of the tech and storage. But but at the end of the day, I would love to see more reflection of our exploration and our freedom to explore at a certain pace. Uh, I would I would love to see that reflected in, in the story and the way our characters interact. And it just feels like no matter what I do, um, I'm going to, I'm going to this person's going to react in the same way even if i've gotten you know done a bunch of stuff like there's even moments where I, I did get the master sword early i guess quote unquote although to me it felt like oh this is the this is the moment
0: it felt super late yeah <laughs> yeah
1: and um like there are moments where because i had it early there are conversations with characters are like uh, talking about the sword is and like you need the sword I don't recognize you without the sword. But then a second later, they'd be like, oh, you got the sword. That's great. And it's like, well, <laughs> they came up with those. It's still jarring because it's like piece of dialogue. You don't have the sword. Piece of dialogue. Oh, you do have the sword. But they weren't connected. It was just like the next yeah. piece of dialogue needs to be like, I'm going to give you a quest. Oh, wait, I don't need to give it to you because you already have have this. There's a couple of those pointing branches that um, to, to go get the sword that, that aren't there. For me because I already got it and for you they will likely pop up as you continue through the main quest but again in the main quest you felt like you should have had the sword because you were given the opportunity to get the sword right yeah I get it
0: yep. Well, I think that pretty much wraps the Tears of the Kingdom conversation for now. We're going to have a final conversation uh, maybe next week, about, although there's a lot of news next week because next week is all of our uh, like summer game fest and showcases and everything else, uh, so we have a lot to cover next week. But I think our, our Tears of the Kingdom conversation is pretty much wrapped up, minus how we feel about the ending, so we'll probably have a quick ending conversation either next week or the week after, and then lay this one to rest <laughs> probably finally for those of you trying to avoid spoilers and have had to like skip the last like three episodes of gamers in we're gonna be done soon i promise <laughs> yeah
1: no, and, and uh as you said next week will literally just be the last chunk of the game and we'll get our final thoughts out there and uh yeah we'll uh we'll move on to less uh nintendo-y pastures i don't know what those pastures will be but they'll be um they won't be on the switch well, I don't know yeah. what they'll be on
0: actually, but yeah. Well, ESO just put out their annual update. It's good. It's did good. Did
1: So <laughs> yeah. that's odd to me because I've seen nothing. To, you mentioned that and I've I've seen nothing for it because they announced yeah. it in January and then they drop it in June. Is that right? Yeah.
0: It's pretty much the same pattern every year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I did miss that. I what is it's not dragons again this time what is it uh Uh,
0: no no it's not dragons this time they actually put a new class out which is interesting so uh i played a bit of that but i'm not going to talk about it too much because you know eso is eso it's still great the expansion is great the characters are fun and yeah like everyone should be playing it it's a great mmo so get in there like but i mean it's also like what eight or ten years old now so yeah like if you're not already playing it you're probably not going to pick it up but you should because it's good (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, do you have anything else you want to talk about gameplay-wise before we jump into the news?
1: Yeah, so I wanted to uh, chat about uh, an experience. Uh, this won't—I um, I don't really have a lot to talk about because this this game just launched in early access. It's uh, called Cook Serve Forever. It's the fourth entry in the uh, Cook Serve Delicious sort of franchise, but it's like it's kind of been reinvented a little bit. So they had their trilogy, and uh, and now they have um, this new game. That is out in early access. It's just the prologue and chapter 1 that's currently available. So there's not there's not a lot to the game just yet, but it really gives you an idea of like what they've um they've changed in terms of uh, the mechanics. So, I mean, Cook Serve Delicious as a franchise is about um uh I, I, like it's about cooking, obviously, and serving the food and and uh you know, you kind of hope it's delicious, right? So the idea is um, you run a restaurant or a, I think the third one is like you're a, you're a food truck and you're like moving from spot to spot. So the idea is basically like someone comes to your food establishment, they put an order in, and then you have to make it exactly to their uh, preference. So on your menu, you might have like a burger, or, uh, grilled cheese, cookies, that sort of thing. But they every order is different. And in order to prepare the, the order, you kind of have to, you know, timing – Uh, You use uh, it mostly keyboard related and like you have to prepare the order in a very specific way, but it's like time based. So you kind of get into this rhythm. So it's like a rhythm game as well, where you're like, okay, I need to make a burger with lettuce, tomato and ketchup. So I'm going to hit B for bun, M for meat, then LT, lettuce, tomato, and then ketchup K and then B for bun again. And that that is the sort of rhythm of preparing the meal. Then you serve it. Right. And that's sort of the, the loop. And, um, you know, you gain points by completing the orders and uh, on time you lose points by getting an order wrong or or you don't get the order finished on time and, and, the, and the customer walks it- away.
0: More or less uh, cartoony and chaotic than Overcooked, because <laughs> um, that's like as soon as I hear all that, I'm like, that sounds like Overcooked. That sounds it, like Overcooked. <laughs> like, <laughs> except for the keyboard shortcuts for ingredients. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're not moving. You're not moving around. And I'm. I mean, this is literally just describing like the, the original trilogy. And I mean, you know, Cook Serve Forever is like in the same vein as those games, um, but it kind of mixes up the gameplay. But the original idea was like you're in a stationary uh, sort of setting and you're just like you're doing you're completing orders by hitting the shortcuts as fast as possible so that you can complete the day and it's very hectic but also very fun um and that was the the original trilogy idea and it had a very specific like look and feel um from uh you know it had very iconic music and sound effects and all of the food like looked even just describing the game i'm i'm hungry you know like i'm just thinking about the food (laughs) and I'm like, Oh man, like a burger with lettuce, tomato and ketchup sounds pretty good right now. I mean, it's missing some, some cheese and, and, uh, and bacon, I guess. But like, that still sounds like a pretty good burger. And now I'm hungry. Now everyone at home is hungry. Uh, (laughs) like the food looks really good. Mission accomplished. Exactly. (laughs) Um, I don't know if they have a partnership with any sort of restaurants, but man, they could probably, uh, make some, make some bank by like, I, you know what? I want this burger. Let's hit this button to order it. Now that's, Marketing synergy, they don't have that though <laughs> uh, that like that's the original trilogy, but where the second or sorry, where Cook surf for, forever comes in, and then it, it is an early access um it's more it's more narrative based, like I found like it's it's more focused on the characters that you're playing. like the first three games had a story, but it was more like this story is literally here just to facilitate you like making these orders for customers, increasing your menu, like getting more complex and. And, and the game just steadily getting harder and harder, but like cook forever feels like more of a narrative experience where you are, you, you play these characters who are, um, operating a a food cart and trying to enter a contest on a cooking show and moving from one city to the next to kind of like try and, uh, make it big as a, as a food, uh, uh, prepper or a cooker. And, um, you know, chef is the right word. I'm looking for. <laughs> and and I think like that idea there, they take a more narrative approach. Again, it still has that look and feel same music, same sound design, like very similar to the previous trilogy, but where it differs is in its gameplay. Uh, it's you're still taking orders, but it's, it's one at a time. So as the previous game, you you get like a bunch of orders at once and you kind of have to prioritize which ones came in first and which ones take longer to prep in this one. You just you're presented with this person has asked for this food item. You're going to make it. Uh, it's more controller friendly. So the, the buttons are boiled down to uh, the four buttons on the controller. So X, Y, A and B. So it's a little simpler in that approach. But where they mix it up is um, instead of having to push, um, push a five times, uh, sometimes you might have to push a two times. And then the next prompt is push the previous button, which would have been a um and how they increase the difficulty is like okay like this time you don't push a push anything but a but then mm-hmm. the next do- stop might be to push the previous button so like there's this muscle memory I don't memory. think
0: that my baby brain could keep up with that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah Like I think I would really hate this game right now maybe yes. I'll try it in November
1: <laughs> It's very it's it's muscle memory um I I feel like uh the previous games had more of like a if you got really good at prepping a burger you knew exactly what to push you'd say okay you want a burger with lettuce tomato ketchup boom boom boom, boom, boom. done your orders your orders prepped you're good to go uh but it i haven't felt that way in CookServe forever where i've kind of been pre- like they you don't buy the food you're making you kind of are given an option of like here are 12 food items pick six and they come up at random and i'm sure there are like some connections between like you always make the tea sandwiches this specific way but i haven't really noticed it but that's how they increase the difficulty is by like incorporating more mechanics in your um in your rhythm uh to to complete the food so like the first level might be just like you know multi presses there's some hold presses and stuff and it's it is a rhythm action game essentially as you're trying to complete this food increase your score Um, there's like a dynamic skill level as you're in the level where like, if you find that it's, um, you're encouraged to increase the difficulty as you go to get XP points. But if you find like, okay, that last session was a little too hard, you can kind of choose one that doesn't increase the difficulty at all. I think there's one that's literally called like take a break, (laughs) which, (laughs) which just makes it a little bit easier than, than the previous session. And I like that like control where I could be like, uh, no, I want to just keep the difficulty ramped up, but as you progress your level at a specific area, you might want to like, you might need to ratchet it back a little bit as you're playing. Cause you're finding it's uh it's too, too hectic. But I really appreciate the fact that um, it was more controller friendly because from a rhythm action game, I'd rather be pressing uh, the, you know, a, b, x, and y, as opposed to, I think on PC, they use the, uh, the, the arrow keys. So if you're on a laptop and you have one of those like weird squished up and down keys, like the way they kind of like minimize, if you don't have a full size keyboard, you're going to run into issues, uh, with the up, down, left, right. If they are not of uniform size, which I, I did experience when I, I played it on the laptop, but I've been primarily playing it on Steam Deck, uh, hooked up to the TV with a controller and it's, it's worked really, really well, um, But yeah, it's it's a mix up of that previous trilogy. So if you played the previous games, you're going to you're going to be very familiar with um, the look and feel and sound. But you're going to be you're going to experience a little bit of a different uh, take on the gameplay like it's more they've leaned more into the rhythm action of it and and leaned away from sort of the the hectic punishment of the first three games, where if you get very overwhelmed, um, you just outright fail you know and you have to retry the level.
0: Well, to be fair though, you said it's only prologue and chapter 1 available, right? So it could be that you're playing through the very early parts of the game and it gets more punishing later.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I have felt like again, like I think what they have here in the initial sort of offering um is they've got their gameplay down like from a from a how you're going to progress uh through these sessions, but like there it's still, it really much does feel like they're missing there's, they're missing, you know, parts of the game for sure. It's early access. I'm not going to fault it for that, but I really felt like um, I get I didn't finish what is available in early access, but I got a good sense of what was there, and it did it did feel a little repetitive after a while, um, in the sense that like, okay, like I'm clearly spinning my wheels here because there's no further content past chapter one. Like the story stuff started really early and it was very interesting. There was like dialogue between characters and you know, you're progressing into the other levels, like made sense from a narrative perspective. But I, I think I did hit a point where um, progression was just more tied to like, you know, increasing bars as opposed to uh, story beats. So it, like, again, it's early access. You're going to get a good sense of like what they're aiming for with the story and the characters and the setup there. But you're going to get a sense of the gameplay too. And And the gameplay is a lot of fun. Like you can kind of zone out. It's a really cool, like, it's a really cool rhythm action game. Uh, but yeah, it is it is not as hectic as the originals, but still pretty hectic. Like, you know, you have to kind of like pay attention to uh, to the button prompts as they're coming up. And uh, yeah, I've, I've had fun with it for sure. It's probably one to watch during early access. And I think they are looking to wrap up development by the end of the year uh, or early into next year, depending on how things go. So there's a bit of a road ahead. Uh, but like with other early access games, like sometimes it's fun to, to join in on the progress and see how it, how it, how it progresses. So yeah, cook serve forever is available now.
0: I mean, early access having a date of, you know, six to eight months from now for full release. Like most of the time they're like, I don't know, a couple of years from now, if ever. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it's good that they've kind of got a, an end in sight. Um. So yeah, it sounds really cool. sounds like fun.
1: Yeah. They've got a really good roadmap set up and I really enjoy that about it. That's, that's a really good, um, Early access approach is when you have a a very detailed roadmap, and I know like this specific game that has a finite amount of content. um I wouldn't say it's easier to sort of know when that stuff is going to be complete, but you kind of have a better idea as opposed to like an open ended like a Valheim or something where it's like, well, mm-hmm. eventually we'll just keep adding more biomes, you know, and and stuff. It's a little harder ro- to roadmap that, but when you have like a like a finite design doc of like what you want to do. Um, I think it is, it's, it lends itself well to being, to having a complete roadmap for sure
0: all right if you guys like what we're doing here and you'd like to support the show head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in like spin did thank you very much for being our june patron if you would like your name here again head to patreon.com slash in that brings us to the news this week uh we saved this from last week but meta quest 3 is coming this fall uh also quest 2 is getting lower prices so these are the um basically facebook's vr headsets uh and we saved it for this week because we also had an announcement that came out of apple <laughs> and, like so obviously i saw this last week and uh the MetaQuest Three is like 4.99 and i'm like okay that's pretty expensive and y- you guys know how i feel about vr so i'm like eh, you know like i'm gonna pass but at the same time i'm glad this is available for people and then apple comes out <laughs> Three, adds a three to the start of that price and drops the mic and i'm just like oh my god apple like i know there's an apple tax i get that but that's a pretty big tax <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i mean it, um and there was a lot of discussion in the discord about uh apple and the vision pro and the fact that it is you know 3,500 um american and is only going to launch in the in the u.s uh early next year like this is this is an introduction to like, yes, there is Apple tax on this for sure. There is not $3,000 of Apple tax on it. Like there's a lot of tech in this, in this hardware that, um, likely doesn't apply to you or I in terms of, of, of gaming or, or even office work. Um, but like they, this is a pro version of something they're building that, uh, that needs to cost this amount because like the amount of stuff that they've put into it is, is kind of um, like the kind of stuff they're doing is, is unheard of. Uh, Is it, is it too early? Like that's, that's the other thing too. Like it's expensive now because they're doing, they're trying to get a head start on it. Right. Like, um,
0: well, yeah, it seems very like prototypey, you know, like they want early adopters, they need money to continue the program and show interest. And yeah, I get all that. <laughs>
1: yeah. And you need you need devs to to pick this thing up to develop more experiences. Um, but I mean, the the reveal was uh, like initially showing like basically interacting with like the Apple ecosystem from an AR standpoint, where uh, they've got, um, they've got the UI within the real world. And where normally that would just be like a a way to illustrate to someone who doesn't have the headset on what the person in the headset is seeing, I think it really does capture like what that person is experiencing, which is they can see the real world, but the elements of the UI within that real world. And it's like it's AR. They didn't actually show a lot of VR experiences. It was more augmented reality. The headset is is capable of of virtual reality as well. But um, their main focus was on like, this is for developers, this is for corporate clients, um, it's... It's we're getting, so,
0: so basically what you're telling me is that we are totally on track to have focuses by 2050 when the world ends in 2060. Got it. Perfect. We're on uh-huh. horizon time. Love it. Uh, well, <laughs>
1: unless you don't, unless you're an Android user in which you refuse to touch Apple hardware, like, yeah, you're probably not going to have a focus. <laughs> but no, I'm just joking. Look, look, everyone, everyone is going to try to do this. And, um, you know, Meta announced the MetaQuest Pro last year. Obviously, the numbers for it were, were not great. It cost half the price of of the uh, this Apple device. Like it was, I think, fifteen hundred and even saw a price cut. Um, so, yeah, I, but I think this is still a few years away from it becoming even remotely close to what uh, what what we would want from a consumer product. Would it be very cool to have like the tech that they showed off in a package that costs under a thousand bucks or under five hundred? Yes. Will we get there? you know, most likely, like eventually, like, um, I think this is more of like, I kind of came around, I had some time with this in the sense that like, you know what, I think this is exciting in the sense that of this is where we're headed. And of course, like these things aren't going to cost 3,500 forever. Like the cost will come down as, as development continues. And Apple, you know, Apple's had some flops, but I, and I'm not an Apple fanboy. I, I think like Apple is, Apple's fine. Windows fine. It's all great. Like I have an Android phone. I have an I- iPhone. I have tablets like it's all good. Um, but like I think when Apple gets involved with a specific sector of tech, they've kind of made that call from the standpoint of like we know we can do something different here and make an impact. You look at the iPhone, you know, the that the BlackBerry movie that's out like I think it includes like a specific section of like the iPhone being announced and everyone laughing. Like that was a big news story. Like everyone thought Apple was nuts to make an iPhone with a complete screen. Well, I mean, look where we are now. Like they do get some wins and um, (laughs) there were a lot of people scoffing at, you know, how would the iPhone even work? How much would it cost? And it's so expensive. And, you know now i remember
0: like back back when like so i had like an ipod first and then i got an ipod touch and as soon as i got the ipod touch because that was after they had like announced the iphone i was like instantly i was like okay i can understand why you would want internet connectivity on this thing like i get it now i can see why an iphone would be really great um, but like, that was, like I say, it was a while after the first announcement. Like, I think by the time I got a touch, they might've even been on iPhone fours. No three. I can't remember. But anyways, it wasn't even like first generation iPhone when I was having that epiphany. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. And I mean, it all comes down to use cases and, and affordability. And I think like this headset doesn't have the use cases and the affordability is definitely not there. Um, but it. It will get there with with time. Like I think, um, you know, everyone's used to, uh, you know, major corporations kind of saying like, "Here's the consumer product," and starting there, and then introducing more more advanced products. Like when Apple announces like a new, uh, like a new, well, they announce the Mac Pro, and it starts at seven thousand dollars, which is essentially like the equivalent to a PC tower, and and having that expandability. Like that product is for a very specific you know uh, part of the market it's not for everyone but like the new macbook air like okay yeah that's that's more mass market for for folks who want like a smaller laptop but right now we're just seeing like this slice of what could be the vision pro like i'm not saying it's gonna it's gonna work out five years from now it, it might be one of those duds like um google's had them apple has them microsoft has every company has uh has has products that don't work out but um I think what they've shown, like I'm excited to see where it goes. And I think it's very similar, as you said, like to the iPhone of like, I can see how this is, this could be, this is going to be very exciting. And, um, it's just not quite there for, for, for me or for you. And I mean, the meta quest three is, is a, it's really interesting when you put them side by side, they're very different products, but, but the meta quest three does evolve from the quest two. in that, like that was the, they should have announced the quest three with the quest pro to say like, here's our pro model. This isn't the successor to the Quest Two. This is a new tier. But here is our successor to the Quest Two with the, with the Quest Three. But they weren't ready to sort of announce that. So there was that like six to seven month gap between the announcements. And but I think like if you paired them together, it probably would have been a better one two punch of like, you know, having what appeared to be a, a failed version of a pro uh, Quest headset, and then and then announce this like what appears to be a very cool like upgrade like it's smaller um it's obviously faster has better better processing power uh but like it it just um it's a completely different thing from the from the vision pro uh but a lot of people are making fun of the price and it was expensive it is very expensive i think just
0: like anytime you see an announcement of like hey someone's come out with a new thing and then like it is just way over like not necessarily overpriced but out of any price that a random normal consumer would consider rational then it's gonna get made fun of right like
1: yeah and it's (laughs) apple it's easy to it's it's, it's, it's definitely easy to poke fun and um and i think like when you look at you know, back, back in the day, it was very easy to look at Apple. I'm like, yes, there's an Apple tax, you know, a laptop from Apple costs way more than a, than a windows laptop. But now where we're at is like, you're, you're not paying the Apple tax. You're paying for, um, you're paying into a specific, uh, piece of hardware that's going to last you quite a while. Like I think now when you buy like an Apple silicone laptop, it's going to last, it's going to last, uh, twice as long as if you were to buy like an entry level, windows pc you know um but if you if you pay into a windows laptop and buy like a higher brand with with bigger guts and and stuff like that you're gonna get longevity out of that too right so it's you get what you put into it right so if you want like a really high-end uh vision like the vision pro isn't even at that level yet in the sense that like if you're buying it you're basically buying a dev kit you know uh is i think what comes down i think that's been the most sensible reaction that i've seen is like this is not a consumer or even prosumer level of hardware. This is a paid dev kit. Like if you want to get involved at the ground floor and work on the most advanced AR slash VR headset with um, one of the most capable technology companies in the world, you can do that. Spend the 3,500 and well, obviously I have to live in the U S as well because <laughs> it's not available. You could import it, I guess. But like, I think that's what this is, is like, It'll be interesting to see what happens next year once it's been in the hands of folks for for six months or so and 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 see where we're at at next year's WWDC. Um, So I think that's where I'm excited. But I think like the other big thing that got announced uh, gaming wise, which is kind of funny because Apple usually ignores gaming outside of like a couple of nods here and there is they uh, they kind of took a like a card from valve and they've designed like their own like proton like tool that can run windows games on apple chipsets like Macs. So like the new sort of run of, of apple hardware that, that has the own like chips that you would find Um not in non Intel chips. I think they're, they're called like the M ones through twos or whatever. And the idea here is that it'll run like a layer, like, like Steam does when they run like the Steam Deck is Linux based. They use Proton to run Windows games. This will allow you to basically run Windows games in a similar fashion on the Mac. And I think like that's that's a big step forward, you know, like in the sense of like, well, we're we're not just going to uh, rely on developers porting their games. We're just going to offer a tool that exists to this day. Like you can run applications on your Mac that will translate the code on the fly and emulate the game uh using i think it's called wine or whatever but which is very similar to what they do on the steam deck so it's cool that this is going to be built in to the next mac operating system and um will allow mac users to play more uh more pc games which is good
0: yeah, I did yeah. see a couple of people talking about Diablo and like showing the Diablo like splash screen with like, this does not run on Mac. And I was like, Oh, that sucks, man, that they are still in this situation. So it's nice that Apple's finally giving in, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, or like making it like base kit, right? Like, okay, yeah, fine. You can run Windows games. Fine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And that's the thing is it always felt like if you were on a Mac, you kind of you had to either rely on what Apple offered, which was like Apple arcade titles and such, or rely on developers porting the game to Mac. And I know that works in Apple's favor to be like, well, port it so that it runs well and that we don't get complaints that that our software runs like garbage on our hardware, Um, because that's always the big focus of Mac is like it's the tied ecosystem between hardware and software that makes it, you know, work so well. But, and worth um, the
0: money that we just talked about.
1: <laughs> exactly. You know, spending the extra the extra money on it. But I think that this tool specifically is kind of like a as you said like a sort a little bit of a giving in of like okay, you know, we're going to design the we're going to take something that already exists and we're going to we're going to give it that Apple polish, make it easy to use and um you're not going to be rely you're not going to have to rely on going through Linux forums of figuring out um how to run you know, proton levels of things. It's similar to Steam Deck. We're going to, we're just going to let you hit that button and it's going to run and it's going to be like magic, you know? And I think that's a smart approach uh, because you're not going to get every developer, you know, porting their game to, to Linux or to Mac or, or what have you. And I think there was another thing that they announced of like uh, compatibility, not compatibility, but like a porting tool. So they also alongside this developed like a, a porting tool that would, allow game developers to run, a, like, a report on their game on their Mac and say, like, you know, get a, get an idea of how easy it would be to physically port the game, you know, actually port it as opposed to using, like, a compatibility layer, like a, like a Proton-like tool. So there was actual announcements from Apple related to gaming. There was no, like, there was, like, maybe moments, fleeting moments of gaming with the headset announcement, but, like, those two announcements specific to gaming were were very it was very clear that apple was like you know making these steps forward for for gaming because they realized like okay we need to this headset can't just be watching you know uh ted lasso uh on on the deck of of uh, some starship, right? Like it, it has to be more than that. It has to be gaming. It has to be office. But also
0: be... we could just watch Ted Lasso and then our hearts would be happy.
1: Uh, that's true. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if you want to spend $3,500 to watch Ted Lasso <laughs> on, you know, the surface of Jupiter, you can do that, you know, Excellent. like, <laughs> I can
0: do in.
1: that. So, but, but again, these, these are it's always, you know, I know company, this is the reason companies don't like to show their hand too early and show the fact that they are taking baby steps. But I think these three things kind of connected together could mean something for Apple in the coming years in terms of, of gaming. Like, I mean, you know, the steam deck from valve wasn't built in a year. There were stepping stones. There was the steam link. There were steam machines, you know, that a lot of work went into getting to this, final step that like a lot of folks really appreciate myself included. I think the steam deck is an awesome piece of hardware, but I know (laughs) I have a steam link. I I've seen, you know, the steam machines and stuff. And it's like, there was a lot of work, you know, it was a lot of trial and error and it was a lot of uh, making mistakes and, and uh, maybe not even making mistakes, but like just a lot of hard work, you know? So hopefully, hopefully there'll be more to uh, be said in the, in the coming years from apple as they um it appears as though they're looking a little closer at gaming now
0: uh and speaking of gaming we do have as we mentioned uh, summer game fest and xbox showcase are coming uh in the next week or so and uh microsoft has promised no full cg trailers for the xbox showcase for their first party games which means we're gonna get gameplay which is exciting
1: yeah yeah. So this uh, this felt like a good tee up for the fact that um, and we've hinted at it earlier next week's episode is, is likely to be uh, very news heavy.
0: Very news heavy. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: we haven't um, we haven't seen uh, anything from Summer Games Fest. So that's going to be happening uh, as well. And we'll talk about that. And but I think this was like in direct connection to there was a lot of uh there was a lot of cg trailers with the sony showcase there were non-cg trailers as well it wasn't like the whole thing was you know advertising and microsoft we talked
0: we talked last week right like sony's wasn't first party stuff right so microsoft is very specifically saying for their first party titles so i'm sure there's yeah there's going to be cg stuff from other people but anything that's first party microsoft is going to have gameplay
1: yeah which is exciting because like you know there is not only fable but um avowed uh, a new first person rpg from that the from um obsidian that was announced year same year as fable but like that was the criticism they had that year i think it might have been was it 29 or no it was 2020 i think it was the year the xbox series x came out either way it was like it, uh, it was a year where there was a lot of like first party CG titles. There was even um, Outer Worlds too. Like these are games that were announced, you know, three or four years ago that um, there's got to be gameplay. <laughs> so I'm really hoping for Fable. And I know Jocelyn's hoping that they don't uh, look at uh, Tears of the Kingdom slash Breath of the Wild and be like, let's do that, but with fart jokes.
0: Oh my God. Ryan, <laughs> why are you cursing me? Like those are the two franchises my tattoo is based on. I can't. Oh. <laughs> no right wouldn't it be no. cheaper to get the whole thing removed is- though yeah like that's literally i'm like how fast can i cut the skin off the back of my neck Like, well okay <laughs> like i think
1: you can laser it off we have the technology now you don't need to like <laughs> do that but um no i just i uh i'm half joking and half being like well we have to understand that you know when it, when a game makes such a large impact like breath of the wild or tears of the kingdom other developers look at this and say like, let's 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 do something like that. Let's take inspiration. I think Fable, um, look, I, I think Fable, you could also look at Horizon in a very similar fashion. I, and I think you and I both hope they go closer to, I think Horizon would be a better fit uh, because like, is a fart joke funny if no one hears it? And I think that would be essentially Breath of the Wild. Like if, if they did that, it wouldn't be funny because no one would hear your fart joke because there's no one around, right? <laughs> so, sorry. I didn't mean to curse you. <laughs>
0: No, no, it's fine. You just put that terrible bad juju out into the universe, and now now Fable will be ruined forever. So well, thank you for that, Ryan. Great note to end on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Next week, when we do our episode on Tuesday, after the showcase, you we'll see who's right. I mean, honestly, knowing our luck, Fable won't even be there, but... Uh... Right?
0: <laughs> It'll just be all Starfield, which they did say there. there is a Starfield direct. Like, yes. there's... Starfield specific stuff that's coming because it's releasing very soon and uh, everyone's really stoked and excited about that. So... I'm I'm excited to see what they have to show us for Starfield to basically because up until now like I've talked about this before my excitement for Starfield is the release of dev time that can go towards <laughs> Elder Scrolls like so I but I am I am like keeping an open mind and I do want to see what Starfield has in store and you know maybe maybe it'll be something I can get into um generally I don't like space exploration so like we talked about before when they're like we have a thousand planets I'm like That's like 900 too many. Yeah. So (laughs) we'll have to see what the direct shows. But uh, yeah, that also is coming next week.
1: Yeah. And and the Starfield thing will be separate from the showcase. I mean, it's like right after. But I think that's also like a really good um, forward explanation of saying like, look, Starfield is going to be a focus. But because it's going to be a primary focus, we're going to have it separate from the showcase. So there is still a lot of room to have fable avowed uh you know uh outer world two show up like there is room for that which sony had like an hour and a half show but they dedicated like a like i think a third or maybe 15 minutes of it to spider-man 2 there's a lot of spider-man 2 there it wasn't a separate showcase
0: yeah so it's I think it's a, yeah it's a good uh, indicator I think that they have enough to show uh, without Starfield that they're kind of pulling it out and making it its own thing so Yeah yeah, we're gonna have a lot to talk about next week. So make sure you join us. Uh, if you want to talk about these things live while they're happening, head on over to bitly slash TGI discord to join the conversation there. You can also visit us on the web at gamers or follow us over on Twitter. You can find me Jocelyn at Joss plays Ryan is Dar Murphy and don't forget to follow the show at the gamers in. Thanks for staying at the gamers Inn and remember tune in next week with much less tears of the kingdom talk we promise. <laughs> Bye Maybe. everybody. Maybe, but definitely.
1: <laughs> Bye everybody. Here we go.